We're continuing our series as we look at, is it okay for a Christian? So we're really delving into Christian freedom. God has not prohibited, but instead has given us principles. So we're looking at principles this week. And specifically, we're talking about, can a Christian drink alcohol? What effect does that have in the community? And can a Christian in a state like ours, where Colorado, is, uh, like ours, Colorado, where marijuana is legal, is that something a Christian can do in good conscience? This sermon was originally recorded at Castle Rock Middle School on August 21st, 2016. I don't know why I do a series like this. It just gets harder and harder. So today is, uh, we're talking about, is it okay for a Christian? So last week we touched on, is it okay to watch Game of Thrones? I thought that went reasonably well. The harder part is that these are going to always feel a little bit more like a Bible class than they are like a sermon. So sermon... Uh, it, just for this is logistical thing. So a sermon is meant to hit your heart, and then it also hits your brain at the same time. Bible class is a little bit more towards your brain, and then it's got overflow that hits your heart. These sermons are going to feel a little bit more like Bible classes in a sense, because we're going to talk through principles than they are necessarily a sermon. So undergirding this whole series is the freedom we have in Christ. Christ has come. Christ has set us free. Christ has paid for our sins. We're not trying to make our choices thinking we earn our way to God instead. Christ has already done that. And now we're just saying, how do we stand before God and how do we live? So the, the one we're talking about today is uh, wine and alcohol and beer and marijuana. And we're going to get to all those in a second. But my, my son, this has just happened last week. He said, hey, Dad, he must have been watching a commercial. He's Googling. He says, Dad, how do you spell Baconator? Is anyone? And I said, D-E-A-T-H. But uh, so this is the Baconator from Wendy's. This is the Baconator. He, I don't know if he saw a commercial and he was just pumped to see what this thing... They actually make a triple Baconator, which was rated deadliest, deadliest fast food chain burgers that you can get your hands on is the triple Baconator. And so uh, for those listening, it's got 1,330 calories, 38 grams of saturated fat, 345 milligrams of cholesterol, 3,100, over 3,100 milligrams of sodium, which is double what a healthy person should eat. It really is. It's double daily intake. And then sugar is 11%, just in case, like, all the, the sweet and sour are all in one thing. So what is wrong with, the, with this picture, if you would circle one thing? I think it would be that right there. <laughs> There's no one thing. The whole thing, like, every category is bad. I don't know how they would. Uh, but it's got a sesame seed bun, so that's good. So this is the triple Baconator, and so this fits into this category. Is it okay for me to consume certain things? If you take your health very seriously, would you eat Baconators on a regular basis? No, this is not a good situation. However, you guys may know, because I've talked about this already, does anyone recognize this individual? You're like, what, what decade is it? This is a recent picture. This is Don Gorski. Don Gorski is the brother of Ron Gorski, my religion teacher. So he grew up in this, Don Gorski lives in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. He's a retired uh, prison guard, I think, at the uh, Wapan Prison. He has a record for the number of Big Macs consumed by one person, but not in one sitting. In a lifetime. So for over 40 years, he has eaten two Big Macs every single day except eight days. And because there was a snow day, so he couldn't, there's a couple things I think is, is, and now he freezes the Big Macs just in case. I mean, just imagine how awful a Big Mac is anyway, but now he freezes it just in case. 
And he admits it's a little bit obsessive. Now, does, does this have any detrimental effects? You're like, well, he's a lot skinnier than I anticipated, right? This is, there's no Photoshop here. This is not Vogue magazine. This is the real deal. This is Don. It does obviously have some neurological effects, because why else would you have that hair? <laughs> but, but, but besides that, his cholesterol is 140, and he looks like, I mean, he looks like he probably weighs about 175 pounds or something. This is his primary intake of calories. So he eats two of these a day, and this is, he walks 10 miles a day, so he's relatively fit and relatively healthy. So where do you, where do you put this? Can you say to someone, you cannot eat Big Macs? Now, some other things are a little bit trickier, and that's where we're going to kind of jump in today. So let's just look at our diagram of, uh, here's the diagram we looked at last week, and I stole this from um, James Henry White, and I thought this is the clearest way that I've seen Christian decision-making. I learned it with like a tree that never made any sense. Just four boxes, just think four boxes. We're going to see this regularly. So permission just means, does the Bible say it's okay? And sometimes it says okay with no caveats. And I use the example, can you love your spouse? The answer is yes. The Bible doesn't have caveats. Um, well, you can't love it more than God, but I love it, love him or her more than God. So, so permission, you have yes. Prohibition just simply means no. So an example, are, are you allowed to uh, murder your spouse? The answer is no. There is no, and, and then, unless, of course, they're trying to murder you. But, I mean, we're getting into complex things, complex things. These are not autobiographical in any way. So principles, then, is, okay, often, though, the Bible is either silent and gives us principles, or the Bible says, yes, but. And that, this is the but part. So we're going to look at principles that you have to weigh out with these decisions. So in this instance, we're going to say, okay, um, what other factors matter? Uh, freedom means the Bible says you're allowed to do it, but keep in mind wisdom. Wisdom, we could have put something else there. You could have said my makeup or the way that I'm wired. Each of us is wired differently so that even though it's okay for you to do something, doesn't mean it's necessarily good for me to do the same thing. Don Gorski, I think, is a perfect example. So in Christian freedom, he can eat <laughs> Big Macs every single day, and it doesn't seem to affect him health-wise, besides the hair and the glasses. Um, but it doesn't seem to affect him, right? But other people, if they had two Big Macs a day, their metabolism is made differently. Maybe they have a sedentary lifestyle and they can't walk 10 maids a day through the prison things. Or I don't know what their situation is, but th this is not carte blanche, go eat two Big Macs. This is a good thing for you. So that's, that's an example there. I used the example last week of gambling. Gambling has no pull for me individually, but that doesn't mean it's not a huge pull for you individually. So I can go to a casino. It's no big deal. Uh, I can play cards. I don't even enjoy playing cards. We play Texas Hold'em. I'm like three hands in. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> like, your cards don't even match. I'm like, I don't care. I'm good. Um, but other people, this is like their heart palitate. Palitate? Pal palpitates? That's why I can't say it. It's hard to say. Okay. So they, they get really excited about that. So now, witness and weakness are um, unique situations. This is not like every time you do something. So when we talk weakness and witness, this, these are unique situations that are probably you'd put in the rare category. The one we looked at last week is witness. Is your activity, the thing you're going to partake in, would it give the impression that you don't want to have anything with Jesus anymore? Does it give the impression that God, your faith isn't a big deal anymore? You do not want to give that impression to anyone. So that's under the witness category. So the Apostle Paul gave the example last week of eating these uh, food sacrificed to idols. He says, you know, it's just food, big deal. But, 
But if you're at an unbeliever's house, he gave that example, and they say, hey, this has been sacrificed to idols, then he says you probably don't want to do that because you don't want to give the wrong impression. Today we're going to touch on a little bit more weakness, but I'll, I'll get on it later. That is saying that every single thing that you do as an individual, it, it cannot happen in a bubble. It, you just can't. Unless you're on a desert island by yourself, that one doesn't apply. That's the only one. Where, or witness. So you can just <laughs> you get down here and you just be working with wisdom there. You're right. And that's the only thing you'd be at. Um, but th- that's a rare circumstance. And weakness is saying, does the thing I do affect other people? Even though it's okay for me to do it, should I be doing it? It's okay for me to say something, but should I say that? Is it for the good of other people who I'm functioning and hanging out with? So specifically, alcohol, we're going to hit three kind of general principles, and then we'll get to marijuana. Three things the Bible says uh, about alcohol. Uh, the first one is it says this is kind of a gift of God and emotionally has a positive thing. In fact, physically, the Bible, from their perspective, the Apostle Paul, if you remember, he had a young pastor that he mentored. And he writes to him in Timothy, Timothy's the young pastor, and he says, don't just drink water, have some wine too because you know your stomach. So from a biblical perspective back then, they um, primarily drank wine, and it would have had about the delusion of, if that's the right word, of uh, beer. So it's not quite as strong. They would have like kind of watered it down, and primarily we're talking wine. They had beer. Did you know that? People who know beer know this. The Egyptians had beer, but it's not apparently very good. So there's a, there's a brewery. This is a side story in my research. There's a brewery on the East Coast. There's an archaeological guy who's also a chemist. Sounds like a super fun guy to hang out with. Um, so there's an archaeological guy who's also a chemist who did, like, the chemical makeup, and they're trying to recreate these beers, these ancient beers. And it, here's the scale. Um, here's the scale, probably, if, if I would think of it. It would be, like, craft brew, then... Um, then Blue Moon, and then Miller Light, and then the guy's first time at homebrew. Have you ever had one of those? They're like, hey, I just made some homebrew, and you're like, great. I love this yeasty beer. And then the, the one way over here would be like archaeological Egyptian beer, and then way, way on the end would be Blatt's. So that's kind of, that's the, that's the flavor, that's the flavor wheel that we have going on. So they tried to make it, do not do it again. They said, we're never going to try this again. It was terrible. But, so primarily they drank wine. And from their perspective, this is a diluted source, this was good for your health. Now, would our own research say something similar? Wine in moderation. Usually, they're not talking white wine. White wine has quite a bit more sugar, and that's like all studies. They don't say, like, you should have some Riesling or something like that. That's, that's not on the study. It's usually red wine, low in sugar, and they say on a moderation, usually they say glass a day, helps with, um, prevents colon cancer, breast cancer, limits the effects of dementia, it, um, a heart thing is probably the biggest thing that you read about. So there seems to be even, um, it, it helps with the microbes in your body and the viruses and bacteria. So like IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, things like that, that seems to help wine in moderation. We have all these studies that show that. The Bible just had Paul saying to Timothy that this seems to be a good thing. So from the Bible's perspective, here's just one. We have an example where they said this is, reasonably good for your health. This is like a good thing. The second thing is that emotionally, this seems to be a positive thing when you read it in the Bible. This is a thing of celebration. Here's an example from Psalm 104. You can see other examples. Talking about God. God makes the grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth. What are some of the benefits? Wine that gladdens the heart, 
oil that makes their faces shine, and bread that sustains the heart. So this is kind of a prayer of thanks, saying there's good things that God has given us. One of these good things is wine. It helps emotionally, and then and it, it helps in celebration. See, that tips right over into one of our more difficult miracles that we have in the Bible. And I think it's difficult because it could be misconstrued a number of ways. So we have uh, John chapter 2, we just read it, the wedding at Canaan. Jesus makes, just to put this in perspective, there's six stone jars. The jars are 20 to 30 gallons. And how many uh, bottles of wine are there in a gallon, roughly? Yeah, about five. Yeah, about five gallons. So now we have 20 gallons. So now just put your mind, we've got these stone jars the, the Home Depot buckets, we got like five of these standard, or six of these Home Depot buckets, Home Depot, Home Depot buckets, and they're filled with wine. And so uh, what's their math here? Five times, that's 100 gallons on the small side and 150 gallons on the big side. That's quite a bit of wine times six, 150 times six, like 900 gallons of wine. And even if it's like two buck chuck from Trader Joe's, which is now three buck chuck, but yeah, 900 times three, we're talking about a gift of $2,700 to this couple. So that's one theory on it that Jesus did not intend because we, we would say our Lord is not trying to facilitate sin. That doesn't make any sense. So, uh, so the conclusion that people have come to is a couple things. One is Jesus recognized that this is an okay thing for celebration to have wine. The second is perhaps that this is a wedding gift to the couple. I mean, it's $2,700 worth of wine. Maybe it was good wine, apparently. Remember, this is not the cheap stuff. They try it, and they say that this is good, and they share it. So those are two kind of basic concepts we have in the Bible. It's a gift of God. It's emotionally a positive thing, and physically it's actually good. Number three, though, is probably where we're really getting back to our chart. I should have my chart. The worry... For number three, the point that the Bible makes is you've got to be really, really careful when it comes to alcohol. And now Jesus himself even drank alcohol. Here's the example we have in Scripture. They, Jesus said to the, the Pharisees at the time who were trying to nitpick Jesus' ministry, they said, uh, Jesus says, listen, you look at John the Baptist, he doesn't eat or drink. He doesn't drink wine. He ate bugs and sugar in the wilderness and wore like this camel hair thing. He said, you call him a demon, I come and eating and drinking, and you say, here's a glutton and a drunkard. Now, obviously, Jesus was not drunk, but what would be the assumption if um, you hang out with a group of people known as the sinners who probably drank too much often, and then you're at their house? What would be the assumption? I, I'm guessing that's where they come to this conclusion. These people usually get drunk. The assumption is Jesus goes to hang out with them, so he must be doing the same exact thing. So Jesus himself even drinks it. We even have this beautiful picture of what God says. This is my true body and my true blood when it comes to wine. And with that comes the forgiveness of sins. This is a picture. You know, when Jesus um, started or instituted the Lord's Supper, what's one of the words he says to the people? I tell you, I'm not going to drink again from the fruit of the vine so he had until the day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. So where's the next time you're going to have a glass of wine with Jesus in heaven? Some of you are kind of pumped now. We got wine in heaven. I think that's not a bad, not a bad situation. And it's not going to taste like the Egyptian beer, I don't think. You know what they drink in hell? Blats. <laughs> no, 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 that's not true. That's not a biblically true statement. Um, so we get back to our chart, and this is what we're wrestling with. Does, does the Bible permit drinking wine? Yes. Does it, it even it, it seems to encourage it on some level? So we'd even say that. So we have freedom to do that. 
but is it wise? And I think that's where you have to look at your own makeup to say, is this a good thing for me? Um, before we even get to the next box, it depends on families. If, and I've said, shared this stat before. If you have an alcoholic father or mother, you have a 50% chance of being alcoholic yourself. If you have both parents, 75% chance. And this runs in, I, I think, I mean, this is my own theory, but I think there's certain people made up that have a certain um, chemical makeup and a brain, how their things function, that being addicted to certain things kind of lines up in their family. There's alcoholism in my own family. And that's, for most of you, that's not a surprise, is it? Not that I drink alcohol too much, but you see how I obsess over other things. So, I mean, there's an, an obsessive kind of gene that kind of rolls through my family. So I, when it comes to alcohol, I have to be very, very careful. So now that's your question. Where do I sit? Is this wise for me? Even though the Bible says, okay. And what we're talking about is not necessarily uh, occasionally having one too many. That's, that's not kind of where I'm getting at with this whole thing. When the Bible warns against alcohol, it's saying, is this something that does one of two things? Is it something that um, leads to uncontrolled and regular drunkenness? Because the Bible says you've got to be sober-minded and alert. Is this something that regularly leads to that? Or is it in the category of there's some sense of physical or emotional dependence on this alcohol? Because at this point, our first two things are saying wine gives into your life, right? It makes you emotionally feel better, physically feel better. At this point, now wine or alcohol is taking from your life. You have now become a, it's become your master. You've become dependent on it. It's affecting relationships. So where do you sit in the middle of that? If you're one who can... Um, have glasses of wine or have some beer, and occasionally you slip up and you have too many, like all of us have made bad choices, you probably fit into the category of, um, I can partake in something like this. If you fit in the category of someone who, this is something that really drives your thoughts, this is something that consumes you, this is something that you want to lean on and is changing your life where it becomes all-consuming, you probably fit into the category of saying, you know what, I just have to abstain from something like this. And I think you can think of, maybe alcohol is not your thing, but I guarantee you can think of something where it is not healthy for you to be in that environment. And the person who struggles with alcohol is just making that choice with alcohol. So that's just you. The fourth thing that you're really wondering about when it comes to our, our Christian choices is, we're not going to worry about witness right now, we're going to talk about weakness. Um, other people who do struggle, um, when we get to the book of Romans, we had an example from Corinthians. In the book of Romans, they're talking about the same thing with food sacrificed to idols. And the Apostle Paul comes to them and says, you've got to think very clearly. Do not destroy the work of God. This is talking about the work of God in someone's um, heart for the sake of food. All food is clean. Like, it doesn't really matter. But it's wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. I give you two examples um, uh, before. The one example is when I uh, worked at the lumberyard, and we asked, I can't, I can't even think of his name, I think it might be Tom. Uh, asked Tom, hey, do you want to go get some beers after work? We didn't know any of his history and how he is working on leaving this life of, of the dependence on alcoholism. We helped him get back into it. I mean, with great guilt and not realizing that we said, hey, come on out, you should come hang out, and he did. And there was a change in him that I saw because I rode with him in the truck I was one of the, I was a summer guy, so they just put me in whatever truck had heavy stuff to lift. That was, that was my job. Um, very, very 
high-thinking job that I had to do. Um, but it affected me because I saw that because then he started talking about how he would go and party. He talked about how he'd spend 100 bucks a night, two nights a week um, uh, at the bar and things like this. And there's a sense of guilt. And I tried to talk to him and say, is this a good thing? And I feel like I was one of the ones that helped that even in my naivete. So how does this function in your own life? You have the right to have alcohol. You do. You have that right. But does this affect other people? From a Christian perspective, I'd say if you've got like a grow group or a community group and you're saying, okay, someone here struggles, this might not be how I'm going to go about things. We're not going to say, hey, welcome everyone, let's have a glass of wine. Uh, it might be if you're just uh, mentoring with someone and you're trying to share your faith and you're not going to say, let's go meet at the bar, you can meet somewhere else. For that sake of that person, I think you can give up your drink. Do we agree? Yeah, and you might have family members and you're saying, hey, that's ruining my vacation, get over it. Because this person is really, really struggling. You have to say, I'm going to just push this aside for the sake of that other person. Um, ready to talk about pot? Everyone's good? All right. This is really hard. I wish, gosh, I just wish it was still illegal in Colorado. It would be way easier. I'd just say, like, you've got to follow the laws of the, uh, laws of the land. But uh, the, the, the main thing that we're going to struggle with when it comes to marijuana, which I think is a little bit different, that the argument is this, that marijuana is all the same as alcohol. Do you hear basically the same? I, I hear the same argument, and this one I think is really hard, so we're going to just talk through principles and come to a conclusion. I think it's way more difficult because of a couple things that I'm going to get into. It's a little bit different than alcohol. Alcohol, primarily from the base, um, does seem to have some positive benefits, and it seems to be a gradual thing, right? So every time you take a sip of alcohol, does it totally affect you? Now, when you have communion, is there anyone who's going to fall over today? From our, I don't even know where you get those thimble-sized cups. You can't buy them anywhere except in church stores. But no one is going to fall over because it does not immediately affect you. Marijuana, as I understand it, so just from the get-go, I, I haven't smoked pot. So the, as I understand it, it has immediate effects. The only thing I can compare it to, has anyone ever tried Copenhagen tobacco? This is brewed in the devil's basement. Um, that's what, that's what because we were hanging out with my, we're facing backwards in our family station wagon, and my brother is home from college, and uh, he's like, hey, do you want to try some of this uh, Copenhagen? And I'm like, sure, I'm tough. If you've never tried this, it was instantaneous, the worst head buzz you can ever imagine. Like, if you've been on a ship of Gilligan's Island, and it's like swaying, and your face is hitting the water on this side... I instantly turned green, and of course, my parents are driving. I'm like, hey, can you pull over so I can vomit? Because I just took tobacco for my older brother. So I just, like, instantaneous sweat, and I felt sick. I can only compare that I'm guessing in a different effect. That's what marijuana does, I'm guessing. So the stats say 50% of adults have tried marijuana in the United States, 50%. And I'm guessing it's higher in Colorado since it's legal. So they say it's an instant effect, and I think that... That has some effect on this. That instead of a gradual thing like wine, that there's an occasional going too far, it seems that in marijuana it's an instant effect. I think that play, and I, I could be totally naive, and you guys could roll your eyes, but what are you going to do? Call me on it? Like, hey, Pastor, you're totally wrong about weed because I've tried it. And I've, like, so I don't think I'm getting any emails about that. You're like, you're spot on, I bet. Um, so the thing that, here's one of the bigger things that we have to weigh out. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. 
So just from a beneficial standpoint, marijuana does not kind of pass. So if you look at the stats of what this does, here's a laundry list that I'm going to bore you with. Laundry list says short-term effects, sensory distortion, um, panic, anxiety, poor coordination and movement, lowered reaction time. After initial up, they usually feel sleepy, depressed, increased heartbeat, and there's a risk of heart attack. Long-term effects, because they say it's not as addictive. Well, sure, it's not as addictive as other things, but the addiction rate, they say, is about one in three if you start regularly using. Uh, reduced resistance to common illnesses like uh, sicknesses and colds. Suppression of the immune system. Growth disorders. Increase of abnormally structured cells in the body. That's um, precancerous cells. Uh, reduction of male sex hormones. Rapid destruction of lung fibers. That's because uh, it's inhaled. Uh, reduced sexual capacity. Uh, study difficulties, reduced ability to learn and retain information, apathy, drowsiness, lack of motivation, personality, mood changes, inability to understand things clearly. Just anecdotally, if you just know the people that you know that regularly smoke marijuana, does some of this make sense? I'd say yes. The people that I knew, I, I think it makes sense. And bright people that still struggled, um, instance where a guy had a, had a notepad because he had no short-term memory any longer, um, instances where someone was doing well in school and they could no longer function at that same high capacity. So I think anecdotally you can run into the same thing. And I've had two instances with marijuana, besides every time you go skiing. Does anyone ski? <laughs> Before it was even legal, you'd go to the parking lot and you're like, what is that? Uh, um, marijuana, every single time, um, especially at A Basin. <laughs> but, so and my instances are two examples. So one was uh, the party that I said, I was not invited to the party, my wife corrected me, so I went there to go talk to them on a pastoral call, and they were all smoking marijuana playing Foursquare in the garage. That's not normal activity. Would we agree with that as adults? Everyone plays Foursquare outside. I mean, everyone knows that. You can knock the rake off the wall. I mean, this is common knowledge. The second time was I was on spring break, and this is, I, I don't even know the year. So spring break, and uh, my mom must have felt sorry for me, so she allowed me to go to spring break every year because I was studying to be a pastor. And don't worry, it's not like I have awesome stories. But one was that the condo below us, we're having a party. So we went down, we're having beers, and um, suddenly they start passing this joint around. So, like, here I am, like, what I? so I just, I passed it to the next person, and I'm just sitting there, and the mood and the place instantly changed. You know, like at a party, there's like this slow wave that rises, and at some point you say, you know what, it's probably time for me to leave. Um, that was not the case here. So everyone's hanging out, enjoying, having conversation with everyone there, and suddenly it was just like, Ooh. no one was talking to anyone. And some of you have been to parties, and they're just like just hanging out like this. And so here I am. I think I could just head upstairs. You know, like it was just... But obviously it had some dramatic effect, and that's, that's my only instances to it. So physically, we can't even say it's beneficial, so you almost could shut the door right there, right? So if you just say from a biblical perspective, you don't put uh, pot in brownies for flavor, right? There's not a real benefit here. The intent of taking pot is to get high. And it seems from what I read an instantaneous thing rather than something that gradually happens. Um, other things that you want to consider... As we talk about this, uh, let me check here. Uh, 
Um, it also has a, a great effect in changing your decisions on a bigger scale. We, we usually categorize it into soft drugs. Would we, I mean, as a general rule, we'd say um, soft drugs and hard drugs. So soft drugs would usually be considered in the United States tobacco, alcohol, and marijuana. I'm okay if you want to put it in that category. And the question, though, is which of these things ultimately lead, because soft drugs are kind of the gateway they talk about, and there's stats that say no or yes. Here's from a guy who did a documentary about how heroin, specifically opiates, were making their way in the U.S. Here's his quote. Uh, the simplest answer I know, every single addict I deal with started with marijuana. I don't know where the, the reports, I don't know the science, I just know that every single addict I deal with started with marijuana. You do the math any way you want. Um, just because it's not as dangerous doesn't mean it's good for you. So let me give you an example, a, a sexual example. Okay, you've got a teenage boy, he's 17 years old, and he's looking at pornography on the internet, and you say, this is not a healthy thing. So you say, okay, here's, I'd much rather you look at the JCPenney catalog at the underwear section. Does that seem like a good plan? No, because ultimately, it's doing the same thing. You know, it's triggering the same thing. This is not a healthy plan. For that young man, you're saying, this is not a healthy thing. This is something that's got to stop. Just because it's milder doesn't mean it's good. So we've got two things we've got to work on. It's a hallucinogenic that causes panic attack and other feelings. There's only intent of it is to get high. It does not benefit your body in any way. So here's some of the principles that we're weighing with with this. If it's permissible, the question you have to ask yourself is the Apostle Paul asks, is this actually beneficial for me? Is this for my good? If the answer is no, you shouldn't do it. Uh, consider your community. You're around, just like alcohol, you're around other people, and just because you're doing this and you say this is perfectly fine, this does affect the other people you're around. You cannot do this in a vacuum. Does this dull my senses or cause a loss of control? The answer is yes. It slows your reaction time. It dulls your senses. And the Bible is very clear to say when it talks about drunkenness, that's what it talks about. Your, your mind is clouded. You can't think clearly. And what happens when your mind and inhibitions are lowered? I get, uh, there's a reason why people say you shouldn't drink alcohol. It's not that Christians say that it's absolutely wrong in the Bible, but they know what it leads to. Right? I, you can go to music festivals and enjoy the music. I, that's fine. But... <laughs> There's a whole lot of drugs, a whole lot of alcohol, and a whole lot of opportunity for sin if you go to a music festival out in uh, Telluride or Crested Butte or something like that. I, so environment does play a chance. And so when you're saying, does this particular thing dull my senses and uh, cause a loss of control in my life, we have to say yes. Would le usage lead to addiction? Depending on how you're wired, it's very possible that this is something that would... Uh, distinctly lead to addiction. We said one in three people. And does this harm my body? Is there any good physical reason why you take marijuana? I'm not talking about medical marijuana, which I've got another story about. I'm not talking about medical marijuana. We're saying on a recreational basis, is there any benefit? Uh, medically, if you're struggling, there's uh, a person that I knew that took marijuana medically that would not believe that I'd not tried marijuana. So every time I went to talk to him, he'd be like, well, you know how it is. I'm like, no, I actually don't. He's like, right. I'm like, I don't. Do I look like, what, what's the deal? I don't have like a Bob Marley knit hat or something. I'm like, why do, why do you think this is the case here? But <laughs> anyway, I digress. These are the big things. If you would ask me, can you do it? Obviously, it's legal. But just because something's legal doesn't mean you should do it. Abortion is legal. Same-sex marriage is legal. It's legal for me to get totally drunk and lay in my backyard. 
unless I'm watching my kids. But if my kids are not home, I could go lay in my backyard every day and be completely drunk. That's perfectly legal. The police are not going to come and say, like, this is, what are they going to arrest me for? On my own property, nothing. But that does not mean it's beneficial. And just because God created, that's the other argument, just because God created that, they look to Genesis and they say, every seed-bearing plant I give to you for food, just because God created this particular thing does not mean it's necessarily good for you either. He made hemlock, right? He made nightshade, the poison. That does not mean this is something I should do. So before you go to the dispensary and say, hey, it's legal here, I'm all good, I think there's a whole lot of other decisions you have to make because you can't do it in a bubble. This isn't something positive for you. And you ultimately say, Christ gave his life for me so that I can live for him. And is that in line with what that is? Amen.